0: Welcome to the Access VFX podcast, pursuing inclusion, diversity, awareness and opportunity in VFX, animation and games industries. Hi, I'm Simon Devereux, founder and director of Access VFX, bringing the visual effects, animation and games industry together, working towards a shared goal to make our industry more diverse and inclusive by taking action rather than just talking about it. Hello, I'm Simon, founder and director of Access VFX, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 27 of the Access VFX podcast. In this episode, we speak to A-Ray Santos, animation supervisor at Walt Disney Animation Studios. We are certainly on a roll with our latest collection of episodes. This is an absolute banger of a conversation. We cover a lot, including A-Ray's work on teaching improv and confidence skills as part of the animator's craft, the importance of teamwork and human skills, and a Disney-level magical break into industry story. So stop what you're doing, And please enjoy episode 27 of the Access VFX podcast with A. Ray Santos. Hello, it's me, Simon, and welcome to the Access VFX podcast, season two, episode 27. On each episode of the pod, we open the doors of the Access VFX vault to all manner of guests from visual effects, animation and games who dare brave the big 20 questions. In this episode, we're opening the vault for another very special guest, and have we got a treat in store? A character animator who, starting out as an animation intern for Pixar, has been on an incredible six year career trajectory, holding down roles at Sony Pictures Imageworks, a Return to Pixar, MPC, D Neg, Jellyfish Pictures, and CineSight. He has developed animation courses for 3D animation online school Animal Warriors, has been an AMC Seagraph board member, TEDx speaker. And an animation mentor and instructor. He's had show credits in various senior animator and animation related roles on Hotel Transylvania 3, Adam's Family 2, Spirit Untamed, Ron's Gone Wrong, Hotel Transylvania, Transformania, along with next year's much anticipated Spider Man Across the Spider Verse and the new Moana TV series. I'm gonna take a breath. We're very lucky to have him. Now Animation Supervisor at Walt Disney Animation Studios. It's the brilliant, it's the awesome A. Ray Santos. A. Ray, welcome to the Access VFX podcast. How the devil are you?
1: I am the devil great.
0: The devil great. Amazing. And that was, I should never admit to this, but that was, my, that was the first take deal for me, which is a rarity on the podcast. Whether I do six or seven takes, I always admit to it as well. Or maybe I admit, admit my faults too quickly, but um, I'm quite proud of myself with that kickoff.
1: That was quite the intro. I've never had an introduction like that. So thank you very much. Well, you can you can take it on your travels. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Start all your conversations with it.
0: Well, anyway, welcome to the podcast. It's a, a pleasure to have you. And I know we we got this in really quickly. It's a, a rare story for the podcast. We normally spend forever trying to pin people down. And we just got lucky with timings, thanks to our mutual yeah. friend, uh, Gemma from uh, Untold Studios, who, who yeah.
1: made this happen. That was a really quick turn. I think it's also the quickest mm-hmm. I've ever, like got in touch with someone and being recorded. So it's this is really cool. Amazing, amazing. Well, I'm sure it'll be a, 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 an
0: episode all the better for it, for sure. I don't like to waste too much time with small talks. We've got to, uh, quite a lot of big talk to get into with the uh, the Access sure. VFX Vault. And uh, as I said in my very large intro, we open the vault to all of our guests. We ask exactly the same questions to all of our guests. Um, I'm excited to, as we, the first time we've met, I'm, I'm used to meeting people that I've at least bumped into a few times on my travel. So this is a rare treat to meet someone where it's our literal first meeting. So I've got no idea where this is going to go. And I'm very excited to hear your, your story, particularly Let's from your um, your travels. <laughs> um, so I'm going to open the vault and it's a very heavy door. So we're going to get the, the vault open and we're straight into the first question, which we've teased already, which is where in the world are you and where did you grow up, Harry?
1: Mm. So currently I am in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, um, and I grew up all over the Place. I it was like I said earlier on. I was born in Nigeria, and when I was three, I moved over to Aberdeen, Scotland, which I lived there for eleven years. <clears throat> and then, when I was fourteen, I moved to um, Red Deer, Alberta, which is this really small uh, city in, in Alberta, Canada. And then, um, at sixteen, I moved to Calgary, and then. Um, At 18, I moved to Langley, B.C., and then at 20, I moved to California very shortly and then out to um, London where I was there for three years. And then um, I moved back to Vancouver. I moved back to B.C. last year. So I've been here for about a year and a half, and that's kind of the abridged version of my life. And in between, there's a few times where I lived in different cities for a few months, and I think I lived in Guatemala for like six months <laughs> at one point, but that wow. was like a very short time. Yeah. Crikey! And, and where's where's family?
0: Do you still have family in Nigeria, or do you still have family in Scotland? I mean, how do families
1: do all over the place. So um, my brother is pretty. Cl- I have one brother and two parents, mm-hmm. and my brother is pretty close by. He lives here in BC with me, and my parents live in the UK. So. Wow, yeah. that's
0: an amazing story already. I mean, we're, we're barely into the, the vault questions. I mean, one of the things that I was really taken with with your um, your career to date is uh, how it's still quite short in the big scheme of things. And the, when we were connected and I looked at what you were doing and, and the shows you worked on, when I normally do my admittedly lazy research for all of these podcasts, I, I go on LinkedIn and I have a look on IMDb. I was so impressed that it's just been a six-year a six period, as I said in the intro. I mean, not only have you had that, Amazingly eclectic, move working around the country, everywhere where you've grown up. You've also packed in so much in your career. If I, if I may be so bold to, uh, sure, to comment on you, yeah. the, the last six years. I mean, to go from kind of to start at Pixar is awesome, and to yeah. be at, at Disney now with all of that in between is—is is it, it? Must been it's an incredible ride? I mean, you must be exhausted.
1: I I had a nice nap. <laughs> <laughs> <So. laughs>
0: get to sleep on the plane in between trips.
1: Oh, yeah. oh Yeah, it was a great, it was a great time. I think I, I feel very, very fortunate for my career. And I think that, you know, it's, it's. I feel very fortunate that I've had a lot of successes. I've had I also had a lot of putbacks. And I feel like I feel very, very um, privileged to be able to, you know, with there's people struggling with feelings of inadequacy or feelings of like, oh, well, you know, I can't make it. I'm like, well, I will tell you stories of when I, you know, had done a, great, a lot of great stuff and then all of a sudden, you know, couldn't even, could find a job for months. Yeah. So it's, it's, it happens, you
0: know, so. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Whenever you look at platforms like LinkedIn, it always looks like this straight line to success. Yeah. It doesn't tell the real story and all the kind exactly. of squiggly lines in between. Yeah. Wow. So going back to, to growing up, Ora, uh, the uh, you know growing up uh, What do you remember about growing up in in Nigeria and, and Scotland? You know, both both big parts of your formative years.
1: Yeah, I feel um, I don't remember a lot of you know growing up in Nigeria because I was three when I left. Yeah, but um, I I do remember the times that I have gone back to Nigeria, gone back to the places that I used to remember. Everything felt, felt so much smaller. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> I remember this huge but then this is like you know just a room you know um yeah but scotland scotland was like you know the puberty so that was a (laughs) there was all sorts of different feelings attached with that but again the same thing kind of going back to aberdeen the times that i've gone back and kind of recontextualizing all those different moments in my life kind of helps provide you know I feel to me, it's helped provide a lot of uh, perspective, but also provide a lot of empathy for moments in my life that I remember being like, oh, well, it's, it's, it's easy to think negatively about a a place when you've experienced negative parts of your life there. But then when you kind of go back there with fresh eyes, you can kind of see it differently. Not that I had a negative experience in Scotland, but just, you know, puberty is puberty and that happens to everybody. So. History, yeah. Wherever you are in, in life, puberty is a,
0: a tough old exactly. slog, isn't it? Wherever you are, exactly. <laughs> let alone moving from Nigeria to Scotland. Um, yeah. What was it like growing up in Scotland? I mean, that would have been yeah early early to mid teens, wouldn't it, in terms of your your
1: formative years? Yeah, that was that was like throughout my early early life and then into my early teens, and that was that was fun. It was um, I was homeschooled for nine of the years that I was there. I went to a regular school um, for the first couple of years. But yeah, I feel like it was a really, really it was a really interesting city to grow up in. Like a, there's a lot of really cool people, a lot of cool um cool places to go. And what I felt was a super awesome um aspect of, of my schooling and growing up was that since we lived in the UK and we lived in Scotland of all places, when we were in social studies, when we we're in history class or doing our history studies at home we could just pack up our stuff and then go to the places that we're reading about and it was yeah. it was great it was like because you know we could just get in the car and, and be there in the middle of the day and be like oh this is the castle that you're reading about yeah. in your in your textbook and it's like wow so history I feel like really came alive and there wasn't there's was this feeling of when you read a book or when you read something it's kind of like you're reading about something and it's it kind of disconnected but then when you're reading about something that is in front of you, it feels so much more real, you know? Yeah. And that, I think, was something that I I wouldn't trade for anything. Like, I think that was a, such an impactful part of my, of my childhood. And I, guys, I loved well, it. Almost a very early immersive experience, isn't it?
0: Almost
1: exactly, kind of yeah. Weird kind of VR experience. But <laughs> <laughs> just R instead of VR.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's just the R, just the reality. Exactly. That's exactly. cool, though. That's super cool. Because, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, I guess the wider UK is steeped in, you know, particularly a lot of, you know, battles and history and yeah. castles and old architecture. Exactly. But Scotland in particular, I mean, you've got those misty moors and those real, like, yeah. I mean, it's almost like trapped in time a bit. I mean, you walk around exactly. London and it's a real mesh of modern architecture and, you know, the old yeah. days. But to be immersed in Aberdeen back in the day must have been super cool. And then going to California where all the history steeps in celebrity. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cool, man. And you—you've shook the the Scottish accent as well, Larry.
1: That's the thing. So when I, it's it's a weird thing for me when I when I talk to Scottish people, I kind of have to maintain an accent because I feel myself starting to shift into like a more Scottish accent, or you know whatever. But I try to you know not feel like I'm making fun of anybody. So yeah. I think like my accent comes back when I talk to Scottish people, but not super thickly, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. It's a quite natural thing, isn't it? To, yeah. to, to I mean, everybody that goes back home, wherever they're from, tends to segue into that, that accent. accent. I'm from the north of England in the UK. And I think I've developed <laughs> naturally a kind of London accent, but you go back and I start to drop the formalities and then yeah. kind of full full northern. Northern. So, I imagine it's the same. <laughs> The yeah. fine line between mockery and and, and authenticity, though I guess, it, yeah, and sometimes the,
1: the line is blurred. So you kind of like, let me just stay firmly on this side of the line. <laughs>
0: well, well, I'm sure we'll come back to all the other places uh, you, you've been to over the years, eh, Ray, But I want to get into the, uh, the a favorite question of mine, which is the uh, the ultimate interview question: the three words that describe you. And I found it mm. quite interesting with this question. Is some people go for three like powerful adjectives? Some people go through like a little three-word sentence. I'm Interested mm-hmm. to see what you've got up your sleeve.
1: Um, I think, to be very honest, I was thinking about this this question, and not to have some pr- big preamble, but um, very often I, I I think about like, well, what is what are my driving forces? What are my like well, what matters to me, and how can I? Like it matters to me to, to be in my career. It matters to me, to my family matters to me. But then if I keep on boiling it down, it's like, why does my family matter to me? Why does my career matter to me? Okay, like my, my career matters because I love telling stories. Why do I love telling stories? I love telling stories because I love, you know, the look in someone's eye, what I like the look in someone's eye. eye? Cause it's so for me, I kind of try to boil my life down to kind of two words and for me, those two words is like I want to feel useful and i want to I want to engage people, you know. And those two things kind of, kind of, for me, are my life, are who I am. It's like I want to I want to engage people. However, what does that what does engaging mean? Does engage mean, you know, through my career? Does it mean through, uh, you know, when when I speak to people, when I am hanging out with people, and when I am feeling useful? What does that mean? Am I am I if do I feel useful at work? Do I feel useful? you know, all these different aspects of my life. So instead of three words, I would just give you two. Wow. <laughs> it's the first back. on the podcast. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I love it.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Distill- in, the,
0: in, the, in the spirit of distilling it down, you've distilled our three questions down to two as yeah. well, which I think is great. I love that. And I like the idea of really crystallizing that, you know, so, you know, we all have an idea of what we stand for and just really yeah. interrogating that, as you said, through, that classic kind of why, why, question. why, 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 yeah. why, 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 literally like uh, my, my son's exactly like that. And I love that, that childlike kind of, you know, really just yeah. get yeah, that funnel going to feel yeah. useful and engaging people. I love that. And you can apply that to the work you do and your craft, Everything. I imagine.
1: I think, no, I think that was, that's something that kind of like you're saying is a, is a nice guiding force. Mm-hmm. If there are times where you feel like, well, I don't really like this job or don't really like this place. Why don't I like this place? am I feeling useful here? And am I engaging mm-hmm. here? You know? And oftentimes what I find in my life is that when the answer is no, that's a great example of like, okay, well, I don't feel useful at this job. Why am I still at this job? You know? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. and that really oftentimes find, makes me find out well, like, okay, well, that's why I'm feeling so unhappy right now. I don't, I'm not looking for happiness. I'm looking to feel useful. I'm looking to feel engaged, you know? So that really helps me.
0: That's interesting yeah because I think the, the word happy gets kind of bandied around quite a lot and you yeah. really know what it means and don't always have to be happy you know you can be you know whatever that definition is for but sure I really like that I really like that because just it's about a it's describing who you are but it's also as you say it's a mantra it's a guiding force it's, um yeah if you're not feeling those then it's time to move on onto the next yeah. the next chapter I think that's really inspiring I'm going to take that I uh, we we've, uh, we've, we have a we have a running joke on the podcast that we have um, almost a, a range of Access VFX podcast T-shirts with these kind of mantras and these these these, these nuggets, and that's that's great. So, moving on to uh, another favorite question, which is: um, explain what you do for a living to an alien. So you get uh, you know get visited by some extraterrestrials. They may or may not come in peace. Uh, how are you going to explain what you do to them?
1: Um, hmm. <laughs> That is a very tricky question. <laughs> um, well, my job now is very different from what my job was previously. But um, a job previously, I would say that I move, I move people around so I can move people.
0: <laughs> oh God, stop it with the, <laughs> the t-shirt. Slow. This is brilliant.
1: I physically awesome. move, people so I can emotionally move people. You're, you're killing me with this <laughs> have you have,
0: is this, have you used you've, you've done this before you've used you've used this quote before haven't you surely I don't
1: think I have no
0: <laughs> it's, a, it's a killer line it's a killer line you had me at hello with that that's brilliant move people to emotionally move people I've got nothing after that yeah that's a, <laughs> so cool beautiful well, that's up there it's definitely in my top five definitely the correct answer for sure I've had much longer longer winded <laughs> answers than that so I'm loving your, your the economy that you're bringing to the, uh, the Accessphere FX vault. Excellent. Area. I love it. Okay. So we're going to get into this next chunk of the uh, the vault is about formative years, you know, college years. And we touched a little bit about um, kind of growing up in Scotland. Um, but I want to kind of talk about what you wanted to be when you grew up. What were, Can you remember what your early career aspirations were?
1: Yeah, I wanted to be an animator. <laughs> so Excellent. That kind of like worked out for me very well. But I think earlier, the earliest thing I can remember is I wanted to be like a builder. I really, really enjoyed the the feeling of like building things and like seeing a project start from nothing and then, you know, end up being something. And I think that kind of is the same thing I do as a job is seeing a project kind of be built in front of me. And then I wanted to be an actor very briefly. And then again it's all kind of it's all kind of heading towards animation and then i loved being on the computer i loved performing i was in a lot of community theater and stuff and like okay. acting training growing up so when i started when i discovered animation it was like the perfect meld of everything that i loved in my life i loved being on the computer and i loved i loved math and i love art and i love acting so i can do all these things in one and then that was that was character animation for me so when i, I kind of discovered that Really early on, which I feel very lucky, and ever since then, I remember sitting down as a kid watching the behind the scenes, like a behind the scenes featurette on the Hallmark Channel or something. I don't remember, and I'm seeing like people working at a computer, and I was yeah. like, "Wait, people make animated movies? Of course, it's so cool! I want to do that." You know, so um, yeah, and funnily enough, just like a quick side note. I I remember specifically, like, the the featurette I was watching, and I've been able to work with some of those people that I saw in the featurette, and it's, like, it's been such a weird, like... You inspired me to be here today, and now I'm working beside you, and it's such a weird, you know, feeling, but...
0: So cool. What was the featurette? What was the show, the making of, that you saw?
1: I think think it was... um, finding nemo i think it was finding nemo and and then i also remember watching madagascar later on but i remember the feeling of like looking at these people like whoa this is so cool and then meeting them and then like working with them was such a yeah great time
0: something so powerful in those those making of kind of the stuff that used to be on the tv because you're missing i mean now it's kind of like youtube and there's different ways to discover these moments because yeah the cool thing about this podcast is we do get to ask this question over and over to lots of different people, and there's so many different uh, moments, light bulb moments for people, whether it be a Star Wars making of or like a Finding Nemo or, or a VFX breakdown. I remember yeah. watching like behind the scenes of Raiders of the Lost Star. I've shown my age now, like those real, <laughs> yes, proper Star Wars models and stuff, and being yeah. absolutely obsessed, or all the stop motion stuff of Ray Harryhausen. Everybody's got that kind of gateway moment. And it's usually a making of or, or a breakdown like the magic. Rather than a, yeah, rather than yeah. a show like the behind the curtain stuff tends to be the big inspiration rather than yeah. a hey, I wonder how they made that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Like to me, it was a thing of animated movies look like magic to me. Mm-hmm. And then it was like behind the scenes was kind of like this is how this is the this is how the, we did the magic trick. But for me it was like seeing how they did the magic trick even made the magic even more like what? I don't even understand how you make the, you know, I'm, I've been working in this industry for for a few years now and I still don't fully understand how these movies yeah, get made, it's crazy. you know? So it's, it's, it's still so magical for me.
0: I like how you've, you've brought in um, math acting and, and uh, art in, mm-hmm. almost to encapsulate the, the kind of skills or the or the subjects that you should be, you know, fine tuning for anybody listening who's trying to kind of or who have leanings to work in, in creative yeah. industry because a lot of people assume you just have to be artistic and actually math and the technical side it, side is as important as the almost that raw artistic talent. Yeah, how they go hand in hand. And I know you do some improv, you've done some improv kind of classes before, for yeah, animation? yeah. See, so, yeah, I've done my research. You see.
1: Yeah, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I did I did a lot of um, improv. I started, I, I did a lot of improv kind of throughout my life, but then I wasn't really taking it seriously. But then when I got to university, that's when I like fell in love with improv. And, and I was very, very spoiled that the people I did improv with were good, <laughs> you know, in mm-hmm. university. So um, I kind of caught that bug and then, life kind of took place and and i started moving around a lot and it's it's a little bit trickier to kind of get stuck into an improv community when you move when you move every six months you know yeah so um i've just been doing a bunch of drop-ins every now and then and then the pandemic hit and that was a big old fun time to try and do zoom improv and where you can't hear anybody laugh it's just on the camera (laughs) um for those of you listening i did a fake laugh <laughs> yeah, yeah, i was almost going to explain that yeah. you did a much better job i think people could hear the uh the wheeze exactly. the, <laughs> the silence the silent laugh um yeah, yeah no and then uh how long it was two years ago three years ago where i i did a um improv for animators class with animal warriors and that was a lot of fun that was that was an experience experiment where I kinda of roll the dice and I'm like, oh, hopefully this works. I don't I don't know if this is gonna work, but let's see, you know. Yeah. Um <clears throat> I'd run a lot of improv workshops in person, but I'd never um done it on Zoom, yet alone done it for animators on Zoom, you know? Yeah. But it was a bit of an experiment of a class and I really enjoyed it, and the the a lot of my students that they that were in the class they said they enjoyed it too. So hopefully they're <laughs> telling the truth. But it was it was something I really would love to kind of you know look into again in the future. But
0: yeah, yeah can I ask what the because I, I I know I think I know the answer, but for our listeners, uh, when we talk about improv classes for mm-hmm. animation, because there'll be a lot of people who go, well, why on earth do I need to learn? go to improv comedy masterclasses to understand how to move a character around. I mean, what is the, where's the value of improv in relation to your, your craft?
1: Great question. I think, you know, this, this is kind of my manifesto for the, for the class was that this is improv teaches you so much more about than so, so much more than just how to make funny quips. You know, it teaches you how to work with the team. It teaches you how to, how to think quickly on your feet it teaches you how to get rid of creative blocks and just kind of come up say the first thing comes to your mind and just kind of go 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 but also teaches you how to speak up you know and i think that's that's kind of the core of the class that i that, that i that i was teaching and i say to this every single class that this is not that this is this is not an animation course this is a confidence course i will teach you animation principles i will teach you a lot about we you know, we we we'll, we'll talk a lot about um <clears throat> about performance, but this is more so about how can you build more confidence to be able to to be able to come up with with ideas easier as well as speak up in speak up in, in in meetings more and 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 have something entertaining and useful to contribute in those meetings as well. And I think that um the number one thing that I loved so much about improv was that it's not about you. It's not about it's not a you show. It's a it's a Team show where a team trying to make a cool project, kind of trying to try to make a cool thing, and you are part of that cool thing. There are times where you will shine, and there are times where you have to help someone else shine. You know, but the thing is, you're always focusing on what is best for this scene, what is best for this project, what is best for this, you know, for this thing. And I think that was a huge, huge that for to me. It's not just for animators. It to me, I think storyboard artists should do improv coders should do improv directors should do improv writers it's all it's all any anybody that's part of a team needs to be able to understand this concept of when when should we when should we speak up and when should we not speak up when should we help someone else shine and when should we know that it's our time to shine you know it's a very great tool for for recognizing these aspects
0: wow i love that yeah and you're absolutely right i mean the uh I always say to a lot of uh, students and people who come through the access VFX channels that um, you know, you, you sit and watch any show, and it's the credits relating to the animation teams and the VFX teams and the production teams all working towards that shared goal. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, if you've got somebody who's just going out for self, and you know, it's all about the ego, then that that project's doomed to fail. So you exactly. know, it could be the most incredible talent, but you could argue we don't want to work with you if you don't know how to play well with others. Exactly exactly yeah that's a great answer yeah, thank you for sharing that um, so you touched on the university years eh, right? I want to talk about what made you choose the university you went to I think it was Trinity Western University
1: uh, yes wasn't it? yeah 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 um, honestly I to be very very honest with you um, I was wanting to go to animation school and I was kind of like I really really you know I really want to Kind of start my life now. Like after after finishing um, high school, I had this uh, I had this this moment of like my parents were asking me like, okay, I love my parents and they 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 supported me a lot with my career and with my with my uh, interest in animation, but they were still in a sort of mindset of like, okay, but what do you really want to do with your life? Like animation is not it's you know it's, what what's like a real job you want to do you know. So I was kind of like, well, I, I, like I said, I loved math and I really, really enjoyed, um, really enjoyed learning coding and all that kind of stuff, and that was, that was like a lot of fun. So I decided to study applied math with computing, but I still wanted to kind of hold on to that artistic part. So I, I took a minor in in theater, and, um, yeah, and then I chose Trinity Western just because my brother went there. Okay. <laughs> I, I went there for uh, what they called preview weekends, which is kind of you get to see you get you stay there for a weekend as a high school student and you see what it's like at the university. And I was like, "This is so cool! The university is so cool!" <laughs> you know. And then that was uh, that was a fun time. I only ended up doing three years of my degree there because, unfortunately, um, I wasn't able to afford it after my third year. Um, but luckily, I had I had got a job and I was like. Great! What I want to do is animation, anyway, so I will, I will just go do that. <laughs> you know, yeah.
0: well, a shame you didn't finish it. But I imagine the uh, yeah. like the coding side, the, the mathematical side, would have landed you in quite good, like a good foundation for the the creative work. Maybe did it put you at, it, at an advantage
1: potentially? I, I feel that um, not necessarily, to be very honest mm-hmm. and blunt, <clears throat> but if there's anything, I think it was a lot of the a lot of the theater classes that I took of the voice and movement, a lot of the how to prepare for a scene, how to engage with your character, all these different things. That is exactly what, you know, I do as a, as a job every day. So it was really helpful to kind of um, see the actor's approach and, like, get acting coaches mm-hmm. kind of say this is how we approach it and this is how you should approach it, you know. And that was very, very cool and helpful. But <clears throat> very recently I've been starting to try and get back into coding just because... It feels like this, this like you know, long lost love that I'm like. I, I really enjoyed it when I was when I was doing it, um, and I really enjoyed the cool thing. I really enjoyed typing some words and then pressing enter, and all of a sudden there's an app on my phone. You know, and it's like it's really cool. So yeah, um, yeah. But the thing is, I will say that coding is an extremely useful skill to have in any capacity, in any industry. You know, you can learn. Yeah can you can use it so much in linguistics in in obviously math and animation but there's so many different aspects of life that you can use it so it is not a wasted skill at all good no it's good to hear absolutely
0: and uh, you, you feel that the, the, the theater classes you did on the side during your university years were the, the that was the kind of the the the, the meat in, in yeah. the, what you did at the time rather than the actual kind of studies that you were doing yeah
1: in terms of just, like, a lot of the things that I've been animating in my career are very, like, emotional and very, um, <clears throat> I feel very lucky, but also very tired sometimes of getting the emotional scenes a lot where it's, you know, I, I love animating people in conflict, <laughs> but at the same time, like, when when you're animating these things, you have to kind of live there in that headspace for Weeks and weeks and weeks, and there's times where you're just kind of like, I don't want to think about how this character's. I can't, oh, sorry, I can't... I, know what you mean. <laughs> I can't say anything specific, but you oh, know, yeah, be careful. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> NBA. NBA yeah, I mean, NBA. I think the
0: shows you've worked on, though, there are some high octane characters that you've you've particularly on the kind of the Hotel Transylvania movies and Adams yeah. the Family. These are big characters. I mean, I can see why that would be exhausting assuming you you yeah. know i don't know exactly what you worked on on those shows but i'm assuming they were kind of quite heavy duty
1: to yeah. on. i think the most the most most of the emotional stuff was um mainly at image works as well as um uh jellyfish on spirit and oh yeah of course there's a lot of stuff on um that i did at MPC as well with like this the the movie we worked on was like a very like a, a gorilla going through like a, a crisis of faith oh, yes. sort of things and that was uh that was a fun time there's there's a lot of like looks of consternation you know mm-hmm. my eyebrows would be very like stuck <laughs> in this furrowed, yeah for years of my career
0: <clears throat> lots of lots of lines i have that just naturally i've got a yeah. permanent <laughs> dent in the middle of my head from Years of throwing, but I don't have animation to use as an excuse. Just just very serious all the time. Just life. Just life. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, So moving into what you would consider to be your break in industry, it's very easy to look through these LinkedIn profiles and go, well, obviously it was at Pixar, but actually what was the big break for you, a Ray? Mm.
1: What I would consider my big break is kind of two parts. Um, Right after... I'll make this like, like a really abridged story. Like right after I graduated high school, um, I remember there's this there's this animation school in in the Bay Area in Cal, in uh, San Francisco Bay Area called the Animation Collaborative, and it's right literally right across the road from from Pixar, physically, and um, I remember they're doing this free portfolio review for. For students in the Bay Area and at the time I was living in Calgary I think so hearing that I was like oh man that's so cool and they're getting Pixar animators to come and do the review I'm like oh man it's so lucky that they're that they're getting to do that and then my parents said my I had turned 18 that year my brother had turned 21 and um my parents kind of said hey we' get, we have a bunch of air miles we can we want to send you guys on a trip wherever you want to go and we're like <gasps> oh. I was like San Francisco please can we go to San Francisco <laughs> brother was like yeah that sounds like fun so we went and when I was down there um I like I got my 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 flash drive ready and I was like I'm gonna I'm gonna blow their minds. it's gonna be my big break It's gonna be the moment or you know like going to Hollywood with my resume moment you know and then um I get there and I meet this animator um, whose name is uh, Aaron Hartline, who's, who's a Pixar animator. Um, I met a bunch of other people too, but I, when I met Aaron, he was like someone I had been following for, for a long time at that point. When I showed him my work, he was like, wait, how old are you? And I was like, oh, I'm 18. And he's like, and where, where did you go to school for animation? I'm like, oh, I, I didn't go to school for it." And he's like, how did you how can you do this if you didn't go It's even possible. Like how, how did you get to this position? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. He's like, well, it's it's not good animation, but like the ideas, the ideas are great and like you I can see the potential and I'm like, oh, thank you so much. And I was like shaking and like because <laughs> I was so excited and like one of my heroes is is getting excited. And then he he eventually like gives me a tour around Pixar and I was just like like a kid in a candy store, I was like, "Oh my god, this is the Oscar for Toy Story three? Oh, it's a Tony statue! Oh, it is! You know," and I was just like, "Oh, it's a cereal bar, and I got cereal and I stuff in my thing." And then um, after the tour, he was like, Oh, you know what? This is just to say congratulations for getting this far on your own. You're not on your own anymore." And I was like, "Whoa!
0: Oh, thank you! Oh, I'm love. getting goosebumps over here. That's awesome!" I know. <laughs>
1: And I was like, "Oh my god!" And then, like, so we, we he he started to more, sort of mentor me um, over over a couple of years. And um, I remember that's that that next summer that some that summer I applied for the internship, I didn't get in. And then that next summer, I was like, "Well, I've met I've met Aaron Harline. He's definitely gonna help me get in." I applied again, and I didn't get in again. I am like, "Oh man, oh man!" But then I met, and like, uh, I'll put this story. F- for the side for a second, I met um, this other animator. You know what? I'll really quickly mention something about this this other story. When I went to California, like I went into San Francisco that that day, we drove to Pixar in the morning because the review was in the evening. We drove to Pixar in the morning, and I um, went up to the security guard and I was like, "Hey, is there any possibility that we can get a tour?" And he was like, "Ah, oh, well, you know, it's a closed film set. Unfortunately, we can't. You know, we can't." give tours unless you know someone inside and i was like oh okay i was walking away and i felt all this like energy and i was like okay i walked back to him and i'm like sir i'm gonna work here one day and he was like you know what if that's what you want son you do it and you you follow your dreams and i was like i will i will and then like later on that day we, we did the we did the, the tour and then fast forward to um, my second year of, of university i had been like i started talking to other animators in in the industry and there's this other animator, Joseph Hallmark, who is also at Disney now. He, at the time he was at Sony and he told me, Oh yeah, well Sony is, they're hiring um, a bunch of people for, for Hotel Transylvania and some other movies. And I was like, okay. And he's like, yeah, you should apply. And I'm like, "Ah." first of all, I'm not good enough to apply. Second of all, I'm still in university. I'm not going to drop out. And he's like, okay. Still apply though. <laughs> um, <laughs> Still do it. Sure. Okay. Fine. So I sent in my my portfolio, <clears throat> and um, right around a similar time, I um, I was chatting with with this other animated friend of mine who was at was at Pixar. His name is Monkey Ruffin. I want to make sure that like I'm all these okay, people. Name check, yeah. A... Yeah. And um, he he was like. Um, hey, Eric, could you send me your your demo real real quick? And I was like, uh, sure. I sent it to him, and he was like, yeah, cool. I just forwarded it to the head of the department, and I was like, what? Wow. Why What would you do that and give permission? To... <laughs> no, it's not ready. It's, I don't want people to see. And he's like, no, no, you're good, good, good. Oh, by the way, he wants to have a chat with you. And I was like, oh my god, no, what? No, <laughs> is this like a, thing <laughs> or a good thing? I, I don't know. And he's like, he, uh, I ended up talking with this guy um, who was the head of the department at the time, Andy Bell. And he was just kind of going through my reel. And he was like, oh, what did you, were well, your thoughts when we did this? I'm like, oh, my thoughts were this. He's like, oh, cool. What about your thoughts when we did this? I'm like, oh, blah blah, blah. He's like, cool. Well, great chatting with you. Um, bye. And I was like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> is that it? Was that it? Was, I don't know. <laughs> was, that a, <laughs> was that a chat? Was that an interview? I don't know what that was. Um. And then I was like at the beginning of my second year of university and then um, some time goes by and like eight months go by and I'm, I'm at the end of my second year and I'm kind of feeling a little bit down and there's a lot of stuff happening in my life with, with my family and with my friends and there's just like a lot of really heavy situations. And I remember very clearly sitting down, on the uh, on the bleachers of like the the, the football field in our, in our in our university, and I was by myself, and I was just kind of like, I think I need to give animation up, and because this is a pipe dream, this is like, this is wow. you know, this is not, it's not leading anywhere, and I'm wasting my time, and my grades are dropping, and I need to really focus on on school and what's actually real, you know. The only thing. That will help me that will, that will make me not give it up right now is I don't know if I got into Pixar. Mm-hmm. I kid you not, man. Two minutes later, my phone buzzes and I get an email. This is straight out of a Hollywood movie or this. Time. Literally, right? This is crazy. Like my phone buzzes and I read the the, the headline of the email and it was animation internship from an at Pixar dot com. Whoa. Email address, and I was like, "I've done rejection letters for Pixar several times." <laughs> I'm like, "This is yeah. not it." I'm like, I'm "Down this road, exactly." I click on it, and it was just like, "Hey, area, you free this summer for an internship?" And I was like, "Yeah!" <laughs> <laughs> At the top of my lungs, and I was like, "Oh my god, oh yeah, oh yeah!" I call my mom, I'm like, "Mom, mom, guess what? Guess what?" She's like, "What? What? My mom? Guess?" She's like, "Wait, Pixar?" I was like, "Yeah." She goes, ah! <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, ah! I'm like riding my scooter back to my dorm room, and I'm like falling off because I'm so excited. I'm like, yeah, and like I must to look like, like a crazy person, like fall off my scooter and like scream, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> get back so to my dorm room. And I'm like, yeah, super excited. Um, and then three days later, I get an email from Sony, and they're like, hey, um, are you free for an interview for Hotel Transylvania and Smallfoot? And I was like. <gasps> What the in. hell's going on? incredible, you know. So, like, within three days after this is at this point, I've been like putting a lot of effort into animation for like ten years, right? Yeah. And it was Imagine silence it. essentially, and in three days, everything changes. You know, when I was when I was literally about to give it up, you know, and this is that was just like the moment of help me understand, like don't give up like you never know what's going to happen but you need to you need to not give up and then um fast forward to the first day of my internship I'm you know I'm, I'm in California and I'm walking mm-hmm. up to the gates and it's like you know the big Pixar sign I get up to the gates to collect my badge or I get up to the security booth to collect my badge and it's the same guy the same guy that I no, talked the security to, guy surely same security guard Whoa. same security guard. You're that right I talked this. to honestly right <laughs> And I was like, you don't you probably don't remember me, sir, but I was here three years ago and I said I was gonna work here one day. And he was like, he gets out of the booth and he like grabs me and gives me a hug, and uh, like, Congratulations, really? welcome to Pixar. And I'm like, Thank you so much. <laughs> it was it was oh man, like it just felt so, like I said, magical, you know? And that was an awesome, awesome, awesome time. What nice the the to that question. I do want to mention really quickly that, th- like earlier on in my in my in my learning of animation, like when I first started really really getting into it, I, there was this other animator, Dwayne Molitor, who was like my very first mentor. He was one who kind of kind of took me from from literally nothing. Like I had you know I couldn't even create a box in Blender, you know, but he kind of took me under his wing and he helped me kind of he gave me some assignments to get understanding with animation. And, and moving on from there. So I really mm-hmm. wanted to kind of honourably mention him. He's my first ever oh, mentor. Good. Get those name checks in. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Oh, that is the best. Seriously, you've won the podcast without that. So I, should, <laughs> I should close the episode down now. I mean, what a great, great story. I almost picture that security guard just kind of turning into kind of like, I don't know. Yes, you know, like the, the and go back to all the John Hughes movies. <laughs> it,
1: it all worked out.
0: <laughs> that's so cool, I love that what a great end to a great story, it's amazing wow, okay, I don't, I don't know I'll follow that, <laughs> we're going to move into the geeky section area, we've got cool. our quick fire geeky section which starts with um, your favourite show, show or project or job that you worked on in your, your six years in the industry,
1: mm. what would it be? Um, I would say my favourite project I have worked on was Spirit Untamed at Jellyfish um that was just such a such an au- awesome time first of all jellyfish is an amazing company they did not pay me to say this but they <laughs> um they, they are an amazing company they have some amazing people and i've never felt so valued at a company you know and i felt like that was such a that was a great great opportunity to to kind of grow as an artist and one of the one of the greatest um times for me was that one of my like i had a friend who was who was supervising me on that team. And it kind of felt like I kind of felt the ultimate freedom of like, I could animate how, as fast as I wanted or as slow as I wanted. And I could, I could, uh, you know, I could get my, my, um, I could animate whatever shots I wanted sort of thing. And that was a a really, really awesome opportunity. And I learned so much the supervisor, uh, Sean Sexton, he was such an awesome, um, he was such an awesome uh, supervisor. And he kind of, Trusted me with a lot, as well as my 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 lead, uh, Michael Puerto. He was it was a great experience. I loved that, and and I learned a lot, and I was pushed a lot, and <clears throat> there I animated some of the hardest stuff I've ever animated on that on that movie. And I remember those moments of there's just one scene that I was I was assigned for my for my lead, and he was like, "Oh yeah, this is this is a really tough shot, but I know you can do it." And like a week into a week into planning the shot and trying to block it out, I started having those feelings of like, wait, I don't know how to do this. This is not good. <laughs> so I'd go up to him and I'm like, hey, man, um, I can't do this shot. And he's like, no, no, you're good. You're good. Just, you can do it. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't think you understand. I am not going to do the shot. Well, And he's like, no, 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 you're good. Just keep going. And I'm like, OK. <laughs> no. I want you. But uh." Yeah, we did it at the end, and wow. uh, it's a team effort for sure.
0: Yeah, but that level of uh, belief is
1: great, isn't it? I mean,
0: that trust yeah. and empowerment to have and, yeah, at, at that point in your career. It really yeah. helped build confidence, really, really did. And for it to turn out the way it did, I mean, it was great. Yeah. It was a great piece of work. It was one thank of the you. early shows I watched with my little boy, so it's uh, yeah. got a special place in my heart, Spirit Untamed. Awesome, thank you. So, most we used to have, this is, used to be called the worst job. And we thought that's quite negative, and we don't like to be negative on the podcast. So, what is the most challenging job you've worked on A? <clears throat>
1: well, I would say the most challenging challenging was was oh, man, they're they're also challenging in very different ways. I would say that the most challenging job for me was probably Imageworks on Spider-Verse Two. That was a very very challenging project that had a lot of uh, challenging aspects to it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was very challenging. I would say that, and I think that I, I, I learned a lot. Though I, I was I was pushed in a lot of different ways. I was um, <clears throat> I learned a lot artistically, but I also learned a lot how to manage change. Mm-hmm. To say yeah. Politely, I think that I, I, there's a lot of change and a lot of things that kind of made me, made me really question, um, maybe solidify why I'm in this industry, why I'm in this job and why I want to be in this job. And um, it really helped me kind of move forward from that job, feeling more confident about why I'm here and why I'm doing what I'm doing, you know? Yeah um i would also say working at dean Inc was also really challenging and that taught me a lot about it was challenging a lot of different ways and that taught me a lot about how to how to how to speak up and taught me a lot about how to you know it got me very used to speaking with directors and executives and and writers and producers and like I remember before Dean Eng, I would say that I was very like, oh, my God, the director is like, oh, you know. But then after that, it was kind of like, oh, wait, they're a person who also wants to know, wants to make cool stuff. And they're also a person who is experiencing this. They This movie has never been made before. And they are also making this movie for the first time. So, like, let's not necessarily, they may not even be first time director, but they are making this movie for the first time. So, let's approach it with that mindset, you know. Yeah. All on the same team again, to yeah. That point earlier
0: around uh, improv, but, but the yeah. improv uh, skills came in precisely kind of but, on that job, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're all making the same
1: thing, exactly.
0: No, yeah. Great answers, thank you, Ari. Um, so I want to move on, we get even to geekier now. So, that, they're the kind of the, the jobs you've worked on. Um, do you have like a animation hero? So, is there someone you put up as
1: kind of the you know a
0: big hero of
1: yours in the craft? Um. I have a lot of heroes. I think I think I mentioned one earlier, Dwayne Moller. Like he he was to me, he was the ultimate hero. Because that was the first time I'd ever physically met an animator. Like I'd been just in animation for a while. And like when I physically met this guy and I saw his office, I was like, what? This is so cool. You have a computer you have your own computer and you're working on animation <laughs> all day. That is the best thing ever. Um yeah, that was that was a that was a great, great time. Um and yeah. I have a bunch of other heroes that I'm somehow blanking on right now. Oh yeah. Um Yeah. Obviously like the, the, the major ones like Glenn Keane, Eric Goldberg are like huge heroes of mine. Um yeah. I can we can think about yeah. that.
0: And we, can turn, we, can, we should do like a Patreon section just with. Exactly. Of, <laughs> <the patrons. laughs> so, yeah. how about a, a shot then? A piece of animation that you've seen that is the best one you've seen. Is there I mean, it's an awful okay. question. It's so unfair, but you know, what can I was a
1: great shot? Top three shots. Okay. I think one of the best, one of the best pieces mm-hmm. of animation um, that I've ever seen was an animation test that um, one of the animators um, Siggy thoranson did for spider verse 2 that i man i it's it's a shame because i don't think it's ever going to be publicly seen but i think it's one of the best pieces of animation i've ever seen and i was like how can someone and it's 3d and i'm like how can someone move pixels like this i don't understand like that is this is not (laughs) this is not possible you know and another one of my favorite ever shots is um in ratatouille and i think the animator is matt majors and um it's in it's in it's in the scene where where um Linguini covers Remy for the first time on in like at the beginning of the movie. Oh, yeah. And like Skinner comes up to him and he's like, oh, What are you doing? You are cooking? And he like <laughs> grabs his shirt. And I'm like, that is so that's such a cool, you know, it's such a cool moment. I love that. And my last one is is uh the shot from from Coco by oh. okay, okay. First of all, just all of Coco's so incredibly animated. But this one shot by uh, Travis Hathaway, I think it is, where, uh, what's his name? Della, like the villain, I remember his name. Oh right now God, no, no, you're asking.
0: Cruz? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, it's Cruz. It's something Cruz. Oh, God, I'm yeah. terrible. I should be Googling. Yeah, I it. know. Yeah, it's just. <laughs> Della Cruz, something Della Cruz. Yeah. Anyway, De La Cruz. Anyway, yeah, La Cruz. Him, He's talking. I'll stop to embarrassing you. myself now. Exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah, we you know. We we just don't want to say it. That's it, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it was too much thing. Yeah. So he was um, he was talking to Miguel, mm-hmm. and he this is like when Miguel is like, "Oh, you're my hero. You're my hero," and he kind of goes like, "You know," <clears throat> or he, he asked him, um, "Do you ever miss your family when like when you you know give it all up for for fame?" And he was kind of like, yes, but we are artists, Miguel. And he does this like really cool like head shake thing. And I remember um, going up to, to to Travis when I when I was interning and being like, um, how did you think of that? Like this, you have this really subtle like head shake. How did you even? Like what part of your process do you put that stuff in? Like what part? Do you, like how do you even think about it? And he's like, what? Should, what are you talking about? And I'm like, like you do this thing where it's like really, and he's like, huh? That's is cool, isn't it? <laughs> like, you can notice. Like how do? You, well, that's not helpful. Like you're just that good. Like you're, <laughs> that's cool. you know, yeah. of those lovely little nuances in those facial expressions and oh. how characters move so cool. It, there's so much to study, and it's it, oh, it's beautiful. It's it's uh, it's exciting me about this this industry. Oh God!
0: I mean, it's 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 arguably the best Pixar film ever made, in my view. Yeah. such a beautiful piece of work. I it, mean, wonderful. Uh, but yeah, it's going to kill me now. The name of the bad guy. But uh, yeah, I might have to do a cheeky Google when you answer yeah, this question. The We're going to do it. We're going to redeem ourselves. Um, so the next one is more the uh, pinnacle of the art form. So is there a show that stands out as an animation masterclass for you?
1: Pinnacle of the art mm. form. Um, <clears throat> I, would say that I would say the same thing. I would say Coco and Moana, for me, I think are some of the best animated 3D films out there, as well as um, I just recently watched um, Crude's 2. Hmm. I was, I was like, I think Cruise 2 is one of those films where I watched it and looking at the animation, I'm like, I don't even, I don't even know, like, I don't even know how you would even get your, your shot to that quality. Like, it's just, it blows my mind how great and how greatly animated those movies are. And a lot of everything from DreamWorks, in my opinion, is so well animated. But I think um, Coco and 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 um, and Moana mm-hmm. in particular are just such great animated movies. Like they have like it, it, it fundamentals out the wazoo. Like it you know has great acting choice. It has it has it has great appeal. It has every like it, it just it just works so nicely. Yeah. You know, and it's very very. Um, intimidating to be supervising animation on essentially the, movie, the sequel right now. Yeah, so. of course. Because the
0: colors, I mean, it just pops, doesn't it? I mean, that's my yeah. memory of watching both those films is just, the, I mean, great storytelling, but just the color. The blue and purple. Yeah. Yeah, all the, I mean, the cocoa colors and all the kind of the real day glow colors and all the Day of the Dead. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you know, c- you know, color kind of palette. Just amazing, beautiful. I mean it just gets better and better doesn't it as well All yeah, you yeah. I mean, it's just crazy but yeah they're great choices I'll let you have two you can have two it's a tough one picking <laughs> a favourite child so what's uh last piece of the geeky section is the character design question so is there a great character realised for you what stands out as the best one
1: man I love um what's his name in Klaus um like the the mailman in klaus oh yeah yeah i think that has some great and just anything sergio Pablos um yeah. designs like dr doppler in treasure planet um yeah like it's just such great animation as well as such great design and it, the character has great structure but has great personality even even just like this neutral character pose just looks so appealing you know Mm. And, uh, yeah, I would say, like, those are some of the most appealing, you know, characters for me. Just anything Sergio Pablos puts a line on the paper, it's appealing. You know, it's... Yeah, yeah, it makes yeah. the list.
0: Brilliant. Well, thank you for leaning into the geeky section there. Absolutely. Um, hey, Ray, some great answers there. Makes me want to kind of yeah, uh, you know, sort out my, my viewing... Choices this evening. I fancy watching those movies again. Um, so we, uh, the last section uh, it leans into kind of advice, and uh, this is a big one the best piece of advice that you've ever received. Mm.
1: Best one, the best piece of advice I've ever received, hands down, is if you want to do animation, if you want to be an animator, don't do it. But if <laughs> By me saying don't do it, you were like, oh really? Should I not do it? Then he shouldn't do it. But if you're like, no, screw you, that's what I, I want to do animation. I don't care what you say, that's when you know that's what you're supposed to be doing. This there's too much sacrifice and this is too difficult of a career, you know, to to not want to throw everything at it, you know? Not to a toxic extent. I definitely think there's still room for, you know, don't mortgage your life for it. But at the same time, you kind of have to there's a lot of sacrifice. You kind of have to move around a lot. You kind of have to spend a lot of time away from from family in your room, focusing on learning animation, you know, so I've heard countless people. There's this one day we were sitting at a lunch table. Everybody at the lunch table is saying how they had had a relationship breakup because of animation. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. No. Cool. yeah, Brilliant. Yeah, that's great advice. That's great advice. And, and I'm sure there's a, a security guard for everybody to go back to and say, I'll be back. You may exactly. not let me in now. I'll exactly. Yeah. Uh, great, great one. I like that a lot. Um, so what about imposter syndrome? The next question is literally called the imposter syndrome question. Have you ever felt out of your depth or that you're faking it till yeah. you make it?
1: Every day, <laughs> every day since I started, and every day apparently till I finish my career, I remember like talking to some great animators that I worked with, and I was just kind of like, "So, when do you stop feeling this feeling of like, who am I? What am I doing?" And they're like, "Oh, never." <laughs> and I'm like, "What? You're 30 years into the industry, and you're still saying that you you still feel it like you're not supposed to be here?" And I'm like, "Well." dang, that's, that's not good, (laughs) you know, but yeah, I feel it every day, especially in my position. Now I feel like, what am I doing here? What's what's going on? But what helps is, is what helps me is, is being objective about things and being like, okay, what objectively have I done? What objectively have I, have I achieved and what, and who else has achieved things, achieved similar things to me. That is the baseline, you know, so I shouldn't think of myself as below this. Otherwise, I'm doing myself a disservice. And I shouldn't really think of myself as above this. Otherwise, I'm being cocky. you know. So yeah, for instance, yeah. if, I'm being, if I'm a senior animator at Sony, I look at the other senior animators at Sony, then I tell myself, okay, I'm at least this good. Okay. So I sh- if I think of myself as above them, then I'm being cocky. If I think of myself as below them, then I'm doing myself a disservice. Yeah, you're not being fair to yourself. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's important to kind of, anytime you're feeling imposter syndrome, for me, be objective. Where am I? Who am I? What have I done? And I need to kind of stay there. Take a step back.
0: It goes back to what you said earlier about your driving forces, about feeling useful and engaging people. Yeah. If you're doing that, then it doesn't really matter. But I love what you said there around, because um, I do really feel that a healthy amount of imposter syndrome is a leveler. Does keep you humble, and it is that it's that fine nice. line, isn't it, b- between believing your own hype and going actually, come on, yeah, good, you know, you deserve to be here. Yeah, you don't get too carried away, you know. Yeah, but yeah, I still wait for the uh, real owner of my job to turn up one
1: day and go, I'm yeah. here now,
0: you can go, <laughs> <laughs> bye." Um, <Exactly>. Yeah, <laughs> thanks for t- thanks for looking after it for me. Thanks for not burning the place down.
1: It's warm, cool, thanks.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um so uh, another hypothetical question we had the whole alien scenario earlier uh, if you could jump in a DeLorean and go back in time to visit your teenage self mm. what advice would you give teenage Ray? relax it's
1: <laughs> <Relax. laughs> not that serious nothing is all nothing is that serious just relax everything will be okay just keep going forward you know nice i think like i've had many times in my life where depression has been a big you know Crutch or not it's been a big like, you know, holding holding back force. And um I think the best thing for me is just wake up tomorrow. And once you've woken up tomorrow, you wake up again the next day. It'll eventually things will eventually work out eventually, you know, as long as you keep on waking up tomorrow, you know? And it's a thing of like <clears throat> um It's like a great thing for depression, but it's also a great thing for ADD, the the concept of like, um, if you feel like there's a big task you have to do, don't think about the big task, think about how you can break it down to the smallest item, you know, and if you want to, um, if you want to load the dishwasher, I mean, there's tons of stuff in the sink, don't load the dishwasher, just put a fork in, if you put a fork in, you might as well put a plate in, okay, put a plate, put three plates in, you know, don't think about loading the dishwasher, just think about its individual part, you know? And I think that if I could go back to my, my younger self, I would just say, relax, you know, and it's, it's not that serious. It's okay. It's going to be okay.
0: Life is like a dishwasher.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Dishwasher. Gross on the inside. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Not, not, not quite Forrest Gump territory, but (laughs) a a great analogy. And I agree. I think every day I've always, I've learned quite late that, every day is like a blank piece of paper. You know, whatever happened that day, just draw a line under it, wake up the next morning, right? Let's uh, let's do this thing again. Yeah. I like that a lot, for sure. Um, So similar question um, is, what do you wish you'd known when you were starting out? So less advice-based. What do you think, wish you had knowledge of before you started
1: your journey? Um, hmm. Man, I don't know. I feel like, I was so green when I started that I, I didn't even know about saving multiple versions when I started in the industry. <laughs> I was like, are we going to run out of space? Isn't that a, <laughs> yeah. you know, but I feel to be very honest, I feel I'm very happy to not have known, known anything when I started. I think that like, it's that thing of like, I like who I am today and I am who I am because of all the mistakes and bad parts of my life. So do I, do I want to change any of the bad parts or do I want to keep them, if that makes sense, you know? And for me, I kind of feel like I'm very happy in having known nothing when I started. And I think it's important to kind of be a blank slate because otherwise yeah. ego is a big detriment to you. Great answer. answer. Yeah, and
0: have those wonderful mistakes, you know, make yeah. those those twists and turns. Otherwise, it does get a bit too yeah. easy. So I think um, that's, a, that's a great answer to that question, Eric. Thank you. So next question before we get into the final two is what would you change about the animation industry? Is there anything you'd change if you had a magic wand?
1: Um, (laughs) Yes. Some things I can't say on a podcast. (laughs) I would say um, I think a lot of people don't understand the visual effects process. A lot of people don't understand um, the animation process and that nor should you because it's it should still be magical it should still be ma- uh, you know it should still feel like you're watching something completely new but when it comes to like directors and producers not understanding the process and then you have a lot of a lot of um, clients that that you know don't necessarily respect that and don't necessarily um, care to respect that. It's like you have situations where you have clients that will ask you to, I don't, I can't, I don't understand. I don't understand what a play blast is. I don't understand what a, you know, what, what like a, a, um, what a test render is. I need to see, see it fully lit, fully simmed, fully animated before I give a single note, which is, bonkers. Like that is that is not how you're doing you know how much money you're waiting. Like it's the concept of like <clears throat> you know, I'm gonna go to a burger drive-thru. I I think this I got this analogy from from a from a, um what's it called from a documentary where it's like I'm going to a burger burger drive through and I ask for I want a burger and I get to the front and I'm like eh, actually I don't want any lettuce. Actually can I have three tomatoes? Actually can you give me a pizza? Actually I want a burger. Actually I want a cheeseburger and then I pay one, I pay for one burger. And you then, what you ordered, yeah. exactly. I'm like, that is, that is bizarre. Like what? <laughs> that's not how <laughs> that works, right? Like that's yeah. not how life works. And then you go and sell that burger and that burger is, and you, first all, you take the burger from me, you go sell it to someone else. And then you start getting residuals off that burger. And then the burger joint, first of all, doesn't get any recognition. That burger joint closes down, even though you became a billionaire off of that, their burgers, you know, anyway and they're gonna be like yeah but oh i i i give you the instructions for the burgers like well yeah but we we've been making and that's a whole that that. yeah i would change just the fact that i feel like there's not enough people who should understand how this the vfx process works don't and there's no there's not not a respect for vfx workers there's not a lot of um you know, we don't get residuals, we don't get, we don't get, you know, there's a lot of people who are severely underpaid and underbid and all these different things. So it's just very, very saddening. And a lot of us are artists, a lot of us get into this industry because we love the art of it, we love doing it. And I feel like the same thing of like the concept of not doing yourself a disservice. Think about yourself objectively, like a lot of people are being underpaid or not even get paid at all because, like, oh, I just want the exposure. I want to do for free. I just you love it. Get credit, oh yeah. Exactly. I don't even. I don't want to take credit. I don't want to take pay. I'll just do the work for you. And it breaks my heart to see those those things happen. You
0: yeah. know. So yeah, I
1: mean, it, it's a it's.
0: I mean, it saddens me to think that that still happens potentially yeah. in this day and if, age. I mean, even even, inter, even interns and apprentices, yeah. owners who are unpaid. I mean, it's, it's a criminal act. I think yeah, literally, back in the day, let alone right
1: yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. Either way, so, I would say that.
0: M- would say. That was a great answer. Thank you for sharing that, Eric. Yeah. I think it's important to to raise that, uh, which leads us neatly into the, the industry advice question, which is one thing we can do as a step towards a more inclusive and diverse industry. One of the reasons why Access VFX mm-hmm. was launched in the first place all those
1: years ago. Yeah. Um, I think for me, my biggest thing is just listening. I think that um, it's a lot of a lot of people in uh, minority positions and a lot of people in, who are minorities. Um, they feel this sense of like, oh, I can't really speak up because I don't want to seem to I don't want to seem too loud. I don't want to seem confrontational. I don't want to do this. But I think there's a lot of. For me, I would love to kind of have. More people mentor, you know, people of uh, of diversity, uh, people of, of diverse backgrounds, in situations where it's like, okay, I, you know, we can um, we can teach you how to speak up, we can teach you how when to speak up, and all these different things. And if it's not a mentorship sort of position, it could be like classes that we that like we run internally in, in studios, just be like, okay, what are you just like, listen, what do you feel like? what do you feel like you want out of your career and how can we help you get that versus also like, what do you feel like you want? And, and do you feel like, you know, do you feel like this is a place you can get that or how, how can we get more people? Um, not necessarily like, how can we just like fill the industry with, 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 um, people of color and all that kind of stuff. And it's, it's more of a thing of like, how can we, um, make it a more friendly uh, environment? How can we make it a more like, we have to make this a place where people realize this is this is a place they can come into you know and it's like again like i'm very lucky that i i very early on did see a black animator in one of the behind the scenes things and that kind of made me feel like whoa that's me i can do that like i you know just not just it's not just for white people it's not just for you know for uh people living in california you can be, you know, you can be from Congo and be be an animator. And, like, that is something that's a huge, huge um, thing for me. It's, like, how can I do my best? Anytime I get contacted by Nigerian animators, I'm always like, yes, you and I, we're, yeah. we're this. This is this. Over here, yeah. Yeah. So.
0: That's so cool. I mean, going back to one of your early questions when you talked about that first you know, BTS behind-the-scenes um, reel that you watch, how... How big a part was the, the see it be it element of that experience mm-hmm. to, to where you are now? I mean, if, if you didn't see yourself in or picture yourself in industry by watching that, do you think you would have still pursued your your dream or is that I
1: really think so. Personally just because Good. of like when again, my, my with my advice it's like I don't I didn't care. Like I didn't care. Yeah. If you're who you are telling me I can't do this, poof, I'm gonna do it. That's what I want to do. I'm this coming. is like passion. Yeah. So awesome amazing
0: great answer again anyway thank you i mean i wish we had more time i mean i'd love to do another hour of this it's this so interesting yeah. but i'm going to we're going to finish we're going to close the vault in a minute but not before we ask the final killer question which is the career advice question the golden nuggets of advice for anyone listening trying to get into the industry if they're not inspired off the back of your um your story earlier which is what a great core of this episode i mean dynamite but appreciate that. Well, if what do you got?
1: I usually save that don't do it advice for the end. <laughs> 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 um honestly, to be very honest, my best piece of advice is sleep. Learn how to sleep. And you you may chuckle at this, but like it is the most important thing. You you cannot think if you are not sleeping correctly. You're if you're not sleeping well, if you want to be creative, your body requires you to be creative. Like you, you cannot, you know, yeah. create if you cannot think. You know, mm-hmm. so um, drinking water and sleeping. I don't know. I'm not your parents, but like it's, it's it is important. It, is important. it and... is to keep your mind fresh. You know. Yeah. Yeah. How many hours a night do you get, eh, Ray? Not enough. What's <laughs> <laughs> so the I, advice? I, is I, that? I think Caution I got exactly do what i say not what i do <laughs> i think i got like seven hours last night and i feel pretty good and i've been trying different sleep sleep things over the past couple of days and it's been pretty awesome so yeah i could talk about sleep a lot <laughs> oh
0: it's uh, I, I think it's great advice and it's nice to hear it because we get a lot of sage advice on the on the pod but i think there's no better advice than a bit of an exercise hydrate and get a good night's sleep yeah. and stay sharp absolutely well, that is excellent advice to leave it on. A Ray, I'm going to close the vault doors now. They're very heavy. I need to get. I need to invest in a less heavy wrought iron door. There, it's closed. Um, and there we go. A Ray, thank you so much, man. That was such a good episode. And yeah. Uh, yeah, hopefully I get to bump into you next time in Vancouver or next time you're
1: yeah.
0: visiting the sunny shores of the UK. <laughs> Emphasis on sunny. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can't guarantee that. A-Ray, right, take it easy. Thank you so much.
1: You. Talk later, bye.
0: Well, that was episode 27 of the Access VFX podcast. Life is like a dishwasher. Our best AVFX podcast t-shirt slogan yet. What a brilliant guest A-Ray was, a true storyteller and all-round legend. But before you go, a couple of things please go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating, subscribe and leave us a review if you fancy it. And most importantly, please get involved with our Foundry and now Netflix-sponsored global e-mentoring program. If you're in the UK, Europe, USA, Canada, Australia or New Zealand, you can sign up for free to be partnered with an industry mentor or be a mentor yourself to folks aspiring or just getting started in visual effects, animation or games. Please note that in Europe you need to be aged 18 and over and the rest of the world 13 and over. Please go to accessvfx.org forward slash mentors and effectively change someone's life. Thank you to A-Ray for being such an awesome guest. Thanks to Tom Box for producing it and for the graphics and of course thanks to you for listening. We'll catch you on episode 28 just before the Christmas break where we'll have another excellent guest lined up to brave the AVFX vault. We'll see you then.